0: Welcome to the Fantasy Champions Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host Morgan Colby and Rick Lemon. What's going on, Fantasy Champs? My name is Morgan Colby. As Rick did yesterday, or whatever show uh, the last show was, Rick did all by his lonesome starts and sits. Be sure to check that episode out. I am here alone today. Uh, This week, man, the schedules just couldn't line up well. But we still want to get you this fantasy football content. So we break them up and we give them to you. So um, it should be interesting. uh, This particular show, it's always the best show of the week. We're hitting trade deadline season, usually between weeks 10 and 12. Um, Everyone's trade deadline comes into uh, play. So these shows later in the season become more and more crucial because, uh, you know, teams who are out of it, you know, maybe they need to make some deals that, or well, maybe get them into it. Maybe go on a little bit of a run. Teams that are in the middle of the pack, four and five, five and four. You know, even maybe the three and six teams. Those teams need to figure something out because if it goes the opposite direction towards the end of the season, it's over. And then those big superstar teams, six and two. You know, whoa, whoa, how many games we played? Nine. So that would be six and six and three, seven and two. You know, eight and one or nine and zero oh even. The really, really good fantasy teams, those teams at this point should be getting prepared for the postseason, getting prepared for those uh, big-time situations. So what you want to do in those circumstances is find players who have good playoff schedules and make trades with people in that. So for everyone, it's really, really, it's in a really, really important time of year. Um, And you can also, if you're one of the better teams or the middling teams, you can maybe capitalize on a team that... Is freaking out about their team because it might not make the playoffs or they got to win a bunch of games At the end of the season might be able to capitalize on that and make a deal with them to get a really really good player So, you know We're gonna give you or i'm gonna give you the buys and sells that we have for this week guys that we're targeting in trades guys That we're going after in trades and then guys that we're selling and trying to pivot off of whether it's because of You know efficiency maybe going down or because uh, The player's ceiling has just reached at this point and you can probably get a lot out of them um, so we'll go through that in a second. Before we do, please check out our website, fantasygymnasium.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, all social media platforms. Just check us out there. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe, click the bell for notifications, like, and comment down below any questions you may have. If you're watching on a podcasting platform, please leave a review and then uh, send this podcast over to one of your friends to say, Hey, you know, give me this player, might be a good idea. So um without further ado let's jump into the uh the starts and sits i mean not uh, starts and sits the buys and sells that we have for the show i got i got michigan on right now on the side by the way so if i if i pause for a second to watch uh that is what's happening um but anyway so let's jump into this we'll start with the buys and we'll go through a couple of different guys um and we'll start with uh Bihan robinson of the atlanta falcons so This guy's a little bit more frustrating. I think he's been on our on our podcast recently, Uh, but on the season, he's actually having a really, really good season. He's RB 13. You know, he started with 20, 21, 10, 18, 11, 13, and then the last three weeks is where the concern has come in. Um, He got hurt against Tampa Bay and it held him out of the game. Uh, He had 17% of the snaps. 0.3 fantasy points, obviously not great. Came back the next week, had 74% of the snaps, had 12 fantasy points. And then he had 61% of the snaps this week and had 5.9 fantasy points. So for the last two to three weeks, things have not been in a great position for Behan Robinson. Like things have been kind of trending down. And then we get all this stuff with Arthur Smith and how he doesn't necessarily want to put... Uh, you know, Behan Robinson on the goal line, and Al Jair is getting opportunity. I think the big thing for me is that there there's a couple of variables that you have to tie your hands with, um, on the behan Robinson situation. And and the first one to me is the Falcons are in a position where it's like the efficiency for Tyler Al Jair is not good. So smart coaches, I don't know if Arthur Smith is a smart coach, but just if you're in the NFL and you're a head coach. Like you have to understand certain aspects and I I think this is understandable, but the efficiency for Tyler Aljair is not great. It's clear that Behan Robinson is a better running back. Um, The second thing is draft capital. You spent a very high draft selection on drafting a running back. That guy should be utilized in your backfield. And the third thing is ownership. I don't think that ownership is going to look at a high value asset like Behan Robinson, a guy that you drafted, and look at. Tyler Aljair, who's not being inefficient, and say who's being inefficient, and say, "Hey, this is a good idea. We should just keep letting Bihan you know, sit behind Tyler Aljair." So I think something at some point is going to flip because of those variables, right? He has to start getting the goal line work. He has to start getting a plurality of the carries. He has to start getting a majority of the work because he's the best player that they have. And I know Arthur Smith doesn't want to do it because of whatever the crap that he makes up in his brain, but at some point ownership is going to step in and they're going to say, listen, we, we, we drafted this guy pretty high. Stop being a moron or you're going to get fired. Um, And so Arthur Smith, I, I honestly, to me, I've like, even though they have an okay record, like I, I, I think the Falcons are on the, I mean, uh, Arthur Smith might be on the hot seat after the season because just the way he acts and behaves, he's not a good head coach. He's not smart with his players. Like, I understand mixing in personnel and having different guys, but doing dumb things like giving Tyler Jair the goal line work when you have a guy that's 215 pounds and 5'11 in Behan Robinson, like what are you doing? So, some point something's gonna flip. They got to start getting him goal line carries. They're gonna start giving him more and more opportunity. I think that's a positive. Um, he also gets a lot of receiving work, so that's a plus in PPR leagues. You can you can you know plug and play him into your lineup, but he's definitely a top seven to ten running back in fantasy football. Who, if you can trade for, for like say you have a wide receiver that's like between wide receivers twelve and fifteen, like a DK Metcalf or something like that. Um, I don't think you could get it done for Metcalf. You might have to give more, but if you can if you can try to get a deal done with this person because there's probably frustration, just like with the Kyle Pitts people. So. I trade for um I trade for Bihan Robinson now before before things go. The other thing with Bihan too is you know, he has a lot of um he has a lot of situations where you know, it's just when you're watching him he's he's ridiculously talented. So it's like he can turn you know, a 7-yard run that Al Jair would get tackled on into a you know, 30-40-yard run just out of his sheer talent and ability. I t- I talked to Rick about this before, but if like you play Madden, you uh, you know uh about the the jukebox ability ability and i always thought it looks kind of fake but then you see uh you know Behan juke somebody and it's like oh wow that looks like madden so he he kinda looks like a video game back but um he does have a lot of uh easier matchups down the stretch he's going to get a lot of opportunity and i think i think he should be a guy you trade for even though he's been kind of not great the last 3 games and hasn't been performing It feels like an eternity in football and fantasy football specifically. If you know, if he's caused you to lose games. Um, but I would, I would try to trade for Behan and, and get him on your team. Uh, the next guy is Dalton Kincaid, man. This is, this is a, this is an interesting guy because, um, you know, coming into the season, I don't like investing in the rookie tight ends. I really don't. And there's, there's a couple of different players that, you know, I've looked at over the course of, you know, um, over the course of time where like rookie tight ends don't technically work out in fantasy football a lot of the time. And you saw Sam Laporta early in the season kind of break out on a football team that needed a tight end needed a tight end. And now you're seeing the same thing with Kincaid. Now you have two rookie tight ends ranked in the top four in fantasy football rest of the season on fantasy pros. I kind of pivoted off that. And if a player is playing well, a player is playing well, I picked him up three weeks ago. He has been absolutely bonkers in terms of what he's been doing production wise from the fa- in fantasy football. And I knew it was only a matter of time before something flipped um because he's getting a lot of targets and it's clear that at this point 3 weeks, you know, into this stretch of games since the Giants game, he has really kind of solidified himself as the number 2 you know weapon on In the passing game for the Buffalo Bills, he had eight targets against New England, seven targets against Tampa Bay, 11 targets against Cincinnati. In those subsequent games, he had in PPR, 15, 17, and 16 fantasy points. That stretch of games is very, very good. And when you look at the tight end position, right, um, just the last three weeks alone... That would make Dalton Kincaid the number five tight end in fantasy football. And he's been consistently doing that. I don't think he's going to be a dude that can get you 20, 25 points like a Travis Kelsey usually does. But when you look at what Dalton Kincaid can do on a week-to-week basis, getting 14, 15, 16 fantasy points is really impressive. And I think right now people aren't looking at, you know, you know, the the team that has him probably values him highly, but they're still not looking at him as a top 10, you know, tight end. So if it's possible to go get Dalton Kincaid in a trade and solve your tight end problems, I would do it. Cause it's not going to cost you the same. It would, if you were trying to trade for Andrews, Kelsey, you know, Hawkinson or one of those guys. So it's going to be cheaper than that. It's not going to take a lot. And I would, like I said, If you can get Kincaid, that can be the difference between, you know, the crap tight ends that most of the league has and getting a real tight end in fantasy football that can have success. You know, he doesn't have that same name value and he doesn't have that same opportunity uh, that you're talking about. So, I mean, uh, he doesn't have that same name value that you're talking about with Travis Kelsey He has the same opportunity at this point, but when you're getting, when you're running that many routes and you're getting that much opportunity, it, it just lends to you know success. And and I think the big things too that you talk about, like Kincaid had 15, 17, and 16 in the last stretch of three games. He only scored one touchdown. So you know if if he starts to become like a touchdown target, similar to how what Dawson Knox has been in the past, you know a red zone target, he is going to produce at a high level, and he's getting a lot more opportunity. So I I think Kincaid right now. Is a superstar. I think. Um, I think. I think he has the potential to be a very, very good tight end in fantasy football moving forward. And I think you should definitely try to go trade for him. I don't know necessarily what it's gonna take. Like I said, but it's definitely impressive to see what Kincaid has been able to do over the last three weeks without Dawson Knox in the lineup and and with the opportunity. And I think it's just when you watch him in games. If you haven't watched a Bills game, watch one uh, Monday night and watch how Kincaid plays because. There's just he's he's very explosive, you know. He makes ridiculous plays that a tight end normally wouldn't make. They got their dude here, you know, and I think Kincaid's good. So I try to go after um, Dalton Kincaid in a trade if you can. Uh, The third and final buy that we have here is a a little bit of a deeper guy, but it's Rasheed Rice of the Kansas City Chiefs. Now it's hard to purchase you know guys on the on the Kansas City Chiefs in the receiver room because you just you'd kind of never know what you're going to get. Um on a week to week basis, you could get 6 7 targets or you could get absolutely nothing. Rice is going to be a cheaper buy. He's going to be one of those players that is a shot play. So if you're in a position where you know you are, you know, your fantasy team is kind of set and you're you're, you know, you have a really good record, there's a chance that you probably you know, make the playoffs, obviously, maybe even get a bye week or whatever. Um, this is where it's a lot cheaper to go out and get one of these guys and see if the dude breaks out. Because if the dude breaks out, then by the time you get to the playoffs, if he's hot and he's playing well, you can start him as a flex. You can start him in any kind of position. And there might be opportunities for you uh, to start like getting a lot of production out of Rasheed Rice. Now, when you look at the early part of the season... You know, he wasn't getting a very high snap percentage. And from week seven to week nine now, he's had 59, 61, and 68% snap percentage. So he's had an increase in snap percentage. Since week five, um, he had 13, 11, 17, 9, and 9. And his target share has been right around five or six targets. Um, In that space of time, if we take a look at it at the wide receiver position, what week did I say? It was week five against minnesota so week front week week five to nine the last i think that's five weeks um rasheed rice kind of fell into the wide receiver 20 range so you know he is a wide receiver two at that point on the kansas city chiefs and and i the one thing i like about rookie wide receivers a lot of times is the second half of the season you know you look at a monra st brown St. Brown came in in his rookie year and he kind of was on the struggle bus for the first six to ten weeks of the season. And then in the second half of the season, he was able to kick it into high gear, score a lot of fantasy points. And I even had the his rookie year, I had a week where he absolutely exploded and it basically got me a fantasy championship in a dynasty league because I had him. I think a similar thing could happen here for Rishi Rice because the Chiefs offense has not been great. I think they'll start figuring out, but what they really need is they need a number one wide receiver. And so to me, I look at this, I look at Rishi Rice in this situation where it's like, if he does take a step forward and he does start getting targeted, he becomes a very valuable asset. Like if Mahomes starts targeting him nine, 10 times a game instead of five, six times a game, then production will be there. I think the points will be there. And I think there will be opportunity for a guy like Rishi Rice to explode. And I think that's the thing is if you get a a, a similar explosion uh, to what you saw from Amonra in the second half of the season here, because that's usually what happens for rookie wide receivers. It takes them into their second half of the season to figure out kind of what they're doing. And then once they get their feet under them and they, they figure out how to run routes and do what they need to do, there's usually some positive things that happen and they start building on it. And I think I want to get Rasheed Rice before that happens. Because once that happens, like say it happens over the next two weeks where they're giving him more opportunity, they're letting him run more routes, they're targeting him a little bit more. Like if there starts to be a little bit of a separation here where he starts getting all the that stuff and then it starts turning into fantasy points. It's going to be hard to get him. So, I would try to get him now while you have the opportunity to get him. Um his down the his down the stretch schedule obviously, you know, he's in a bye week this week, so um you know, it might be a little bit easier to get him if you eat the bye week and then he's got Philly which is going to be tougher, but after that, Raiders not a great secondary, Packers are okay. Uh Buffalo, you know, they're they're okay depending on the week, and then you have New England. Um the Raiders again, and then you have Cincinnati and Los Angeles. So the schedule, you know, isn't super difficult for him to, to break onto the scene and have success. But I'd go out and get Rasheed Rice. It's not going to cost you a lot. It's going to be cheap and it's more of a longer play. And if it doesn't end up working out, it doesn't burn your team in the long run. So that's the big thing um, is that it's not like uh like right now there are risky ads right now that you can make. And if you go out and you try to add that player at a huge risk, you know what I mean? It, it it might burn your team. This is not a risky play because I don't think it's going to cost a lot to get Rice, you know? Um, he hasn't done anything yet that would be explosive enough for me to be like, oh, yeah, well, let's let's blow up the ship for Rishi Rice. Um, all right, let's quickly go through th- three cells that I have for you guys um, and guys that maybe you can use to go out and get some more valuable assets. I'm not saying some of these guys I do like and I don't think are bad but I'm putting them here because I think they kind of peaked their, their ceiling. And I like, they might still perform at their ceiling rest of season, you know, but I don't think it can, I don't think their value can get any higher. So it's like, if you, if you trade them now, um, you could get something in return for them. Um, so let's take a look at the first guy and it's Alvin Kamara of the, uh, Alvin Kamara of the New Orleans saints. And, um, so Kamara is an interesting guy. I, I love Alvin Kamara, and um, he he is he's definitely an interesting dude. But um, he came into the season with a four-game suspension or a three-game suspension, and then he played from week four to now week nine. And from week four to eight, he had 21, 18, 17, 29, 27 fantasy points. He was producing, he's been getting around 3.5 yards per carry, so he hasn't been efficient on the ground, but he's still getting the pass-catching work, which in PPR leagues is very, very good. This past week, his snap percentages went down to 49% against Chicago this past week. Um, he had he still had five targets and four catches, he still got his receiving work, but his rushing was extra bad against a run defense that really isn't great. Um, and now he's going up against Minnesota in the same boat, but... It's clear that as, as guys start to, um, as this guy starts to get more opportunity or uh, not more opportunity as the, as some of these backup running backs, like Kendra Miller, let's take a look at some of these guys. They have uh, Kendra Miller, Jamal Williams, as some of these guys come back, some of that rushing work that he has been getting over the course of the last, you know, five weeks, six weeks or so, that's going to start dropping off. And snap percentages are going to drop. So while Kamara still remains valuable because of his PPR upside, he loses some of that rushing upside that he had, which turns him into a little bit more of a boomer bust kind of running back, uh, which also turns him into a, a guy that has hit his ceiling, where it's like he might continue to perform as effectively as he has in the early part of the season here, you know what I mean, going into the second half, but likely to me that doesn't happen. And so while we get into the, you know, the important season of making trades, you know, the important part of the season where you got to make the playoffs was four weeks, you know, after the Sunday, there's going to be like four or five weeks left and you got to make a deal before your deadline to kind of improve your team, Alvin Kamara. And you have Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara is one of those dudes that somebody will come out and get from you because of the production and the upside. And you might be able to utilize him and just, you know, depending on where you drafted him, which, Probably around the. I think he was going around seven to nine, around seven to nine. He wasn't starting for your team anyway. So to me, it's like if your team still has the guys that it had before and you're producing effectively with other running backs, then I would take Alvin Kamar. I deal him for a wide receiver, I get him for somebody that you know, can actually produce for you on a PPR level. Instead of being a guy that just gets six, seven targets a game at the running back position, you can get a guy that gets nine, 10 targets a game at the receiver position. Right now he's ranked rest of season as an RB eight. So you can definitely get a top 10, 12 running back, um, in exchange for him. I mean, top 10, uh, top 10 to 12 wide receiver, um, in exchange. So I think that would be a smart deal for you. I would deal him. He Like I said, he could still perform and play well, but I think just name value and the way he's been performing over the last six to seven, uh, the last, was it six weeks? It's enough for you to look at him and be like, okay, it's time to sell. I'd sell him now and try to get something for him um, before maybe the wheels fall off and, and you lose that value. Um, all right, let's talk about the next guy who is Jameer Gibbs. Now, I like Jameer Gibbs. Gibbs has been really good the last couple weeks. He's moved up the rankings. He's actually got an opportunity. Um, but you look at the first part of the season. He had 8-12-9-9. This is almost similar to like like last season, Travis Etienne's early season like run opportunity before James Robinson kind of lost the job. And... Gibbs had like an okay start to the season but he wasn't really getting opportunity he was efficient when you know Montgomery had to be out against Atlanta but like he still only had nine fantasy points he didn't get a lot of receiving opportunity they want to use him as the receiving back and in the games that he's played on the season he's only had like the only two bad games he had were against Kansas City and against Atlanta um, in terms of the opportunity that he got passing the ball. The first game of the season, I don't even count because he was a rookie and they were giving all the work to Montgomery. And then the game against Atlanta, you know, they were blowing that team out. So there was no opportunity for them to actually, at least I think they were. I can't remember, but anyway, there's no opportunity for him to actually, you know, get get the ball through the air. The, all, all the other games where he's had the opportunity, he's had nine, five, 10, five targets. So he's also been one of these PPR running backs. And the last two weeks, he's had 27 and 29 going into the bye. That's really good. That makes him like a top five running back in fantasy football over those two weeks. And then he, like I said, he went into the bye week. So it's like you look at Jameer Gibbs and it's like, there's, you know, okay, he's breaking out. Things are coming. But the reason why he had these good games was because Montgomery has been out. And with Monty coming back soon, they're going to give the carries to Montgomery. They're going to give the goal line work to Montgomery. So all of this opportunity that Jameer Gibbs has gotten is kind of going to dissipate, at least with the groundwork. They're going to give him more work than they were giving him before, but he'll be around like 12 carries. And to me, it's like what you were getting out of him currently is not what you will be getting out of him in you know two weeks or whatever when David Montgomery is back. So what I would do is you know use this opportunity to sell high on Montgomery. I don't really want that Lions backfield. I'm scared of the Lions backfield. I don't think that there's upside in the Lions backfield. Um I I've even thought about trading for David Montgomery, but I don't know what it's going to look like when Monty gets back. So it's like it when Monty gets back, like what what are we going to do? So there's there, you know, there's kind of some issues here with this backfield where it's like it's it's a committee and there could still be some productive work for a guy like jameer gibbs you know where he could he could he could definitely have some opportunity to have success in fantasy football you know we we kind of compared this backfield in the past to like gibbs can be the kamara and montgomery can be the you know mark ingram from back in the day which is very true like if he keeps getting you know around six, seven targets a game, like that's very true. You could get that kind of production out of him. If he starts scoring, receiving touchdowns and all that stuff, that could be really good for him. But right now the goal line back is David Montgomery. So the touchdown upside, you know, is gone for Jameer Gibbs. And really all you have is receiving. And I think at this point, you should sell Jameer Gibbs off the 25 uh, 27 and 29 point games here early in the season. Um, so sell Jameer Gibbs when you get the opportunity. If you want to keep him in case something happens, you know, that's fine too. But um, at this point, you know, I think you should sell high, uh, get something out of him. Uh, the, the final guy is Chris Olave. And this is going to be a little bit harder to sell, I think, because Olave has been good. Like, he's wide receiver 19 on the season. He, he started the season with 19, 14, 18, and then he had a one-point game against Tampa Bay, a nine-point game against New England, and then he had 16, 12, 9, and 16. So he's he's been getting target share. He's been producing. He only has one touchdown on the year. Usually you would think this is a, you know, a buy opportunity for, you know, a player. Because, like, if you're getting target share and you're getting the opportunity to do things, like, that, that makes it really, really interesting. But... Um, the big thing for Chris Olave is that, you know, he's not getting like, you know, he had one red zone target. And he's not getting a lot of like, um, target share in the red area. And then he has 24% target share And this past week, Tom, Michael Thomas only saw one target. So, you know, if Thomas is in the game and playing, um, which I don't know if there is something up with him. I heard, I saw a report, but I don't know if it was fake last night that he was arrested. Um, yeah, that was fake. So, uh, he is, I, I believe this, he is expected to play, um, Sunday. Yeah, so he was arrested on Friday, but he's still able to play on Sunday as possible. Uh, Thomas will face a suspension, but for now he'll be taking the field against Minnesota. So as long as he's on the field. It's not going to be one side of moving forward. You're not going to see all the targets go towards, you know, Chris Olave. And so I think that's the big thing for me is it's going to be a split between the two guys. While I think Chris Olave is a fine player to have on your team, I think you can sell the target share to teams because there are definitely teams. I know there's teams in my league that look at target share as if it's the same as fantasy points. So if you can sell that target share, that's really, really good. But that's the that's the main argument for Chris Olave is just the amount of targets he gets is huge. And, like, he's getting, been getting 9, 10, 11 targets a game. It's just not turning into anything because I, the New Orleans Saints offense isn't great. Um, and he's not, like like I said, he's only caught one touchdown, but I don't think that's going to change, you know. Um, Shaheed seems like the guy that they throw the ball to in, in you know, big-time uh, down-the-field situations. And then Michael Thomas is their short-field guy, which leaves, you know, an interest, interesting opportunities for Chris Olave, And he always gets them. He gets the target share, which is great. But the issue is just... How often do they, you know, do the Saints get into the red zone? You know, How often are they going to score? And how often are they going to throw it into the red zone? And then you also have the targets that you're getting from Alvin Kamara, like I was just talking about. So it makes it a little bit more challenging for Olave to find the end zone. And if he's not finding the end zone, then what you got is a guy that's just a low-end wide receiver too, which is fine for fantasy football. But you need a little bit more than that if you want to have success. So... Um, I'd sell, I'd sell Chris Olave on that target share and see what you got. But outside of that, there are your buys and sells for week 10. Hopefully you enjoyed the show. Be sure to leave a comment down below and ask any questions about, uh, trades. Uh, we love to hear questions about trades. Um, but yeah, they're your buys and sells. Hopefully you enjoy week 10 of the NFL season. Uh, if you're listening to this next week, you we want to see, enjoy week 11. See you later guys. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Champions Podcast. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes and YouTube and follow us on Twitter at TheFFChamps.